One Saturday afternoon, back when we lived in Minnesota, my wife, her aunt and uncle, and I visited a traveling museum exhibit on the treasures of the Vatican. Even though, at this point, my wife and I weren't Catholic yet, but we were getting pretty serious about it. After the museum, the four of us went to an anticipatory mass at a nearby parish. After mass, as we were heading out, an amazing thing happened. I'll tell you what it was coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome, friends, to The Inner Life, where our seasoned spiritual directors are here to offer you some encouragement and some inspiration for your Catholic faith and living it out today. I'm Patrick Conley. Thanks for joining us. So after Mass, my wife and I strolled around the church while people filed out. At one point, I noticed that my wife's uncle and aunt were speaking with the priest, who had been in the back, shaking hands with people as they left. And people continued to leave, and we made our way over and joined them, just as Uncle Jim was saying, Yeah, Father, these two, indicating us, are planning to become Catholic. So we shook hands with the priest and introduced ourselves. He then looked at us and, in a warm and inviting voice, said, I will pray for you. And I could tell he meant it. It was extraordinarily meaningful, this presumably chance encounter with a priest. Little did we know then that we would actually end up going through RCIA at that very same parish, and that that priest would become our pastor and a good friend. I think one of the things that strikes me is that he was attentive to the call of his priesthood, to shepherding the people of God, even in what could have seen, could have been seen as a seemingly insignificant couple of minutes, conversing with some visitors after Mass. And yet, his earnest and genuine expression of care for us, who for all he knew he would never see again, made an impression which has stuck with me to this day. Well, since that day, and in my nearly 14 years of being a Catholic, I've met many priests. And in my experience, the ones who express that same level of earnest and genuine care for the people of God far outnumber the ones who don't. And I hope your experience has been the same. And together... I hope we can be grateful for the Lord's gift of so many good priests. But my gratitude has also given me the conviction that I need to play a role in supporting and encouraging these men who have given their yes, their whole selves, to the service of the Lord and his church. And that's why today we're talking about ways for you to support and encourage your parish priest. With us to guide our discussion today is our spiritual director, Father Brian O'Brien. Father O'Brien is a priest of the Diocese of Tulsa and pastor of St. Francis Xavier Catholic Church in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Happy New Year to you, Father. Thanks for being back on the show with us. And to you, Patrick. Thanks so much. Good to, good to be here. Thanks for those wonderful words about your, your parish priest and the difference that he made in your life. That's uh, very edifying to, to hear. I know lots of those things happen all over the, all over the world every day but that we don't always get to hear those good stories about uh, about priests. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's, again, it's just so striking to me that even in that just the couple of minutes that we spent with him, that I knew that he was um, he was earnest, he was genuine about saying, I will pray for you, and his prayers have, and the prayers of many others, but <laughs> prayers have borne fruit in our own lives. And so I can only imagine if this is the case with just one of God's many good priests, that uh, that's the case for many, many, many people around the world. 
So let's start, maybe, Father, with a, with just an overview and a reminder of the Sacrament of Holy Orders. What is involved and entailed in the Sacrament of Holy Orders? So the Sacrament of Holy Orders, one of the, one of the seven sacraments of, of the Catholic Church, um, and there's kind of three parts to it. So we have, you have deacons, you have priests, and you have bishops. So all deacons and priests and bishops are all ordained ministers. They, they, are, they would all be considered um, clergy or, they, or you know or called to the ordained ministry um, and so for, specifically for for priests as part of of holy orders um, when when one becomes a priest uh, one kind of feels that call one um, joins up with either a, a diocese which means they're, they're you're going to be tied to a particular geographical region so I'm a priest of the Diocese of Tulsa that's like the eastern third of the state of Oklahoma uh, or you can join a religious order, so that's the Franciscans, the Dominicans, the Jesuits, the Benedictines, and others. And they, they're they're not as tied necessarily to a geographical area, but to a particular mission, teaching or preaching or whatever it may be. And so uh, every priest goes to seminary, um, so so typically six six or seven years, sometimes longer. And then on a certain day, that that man, um, whether as a deacon, as a priest, or as a bishop. Is, is ordained, um, which means we participate in this beautiful ritual of the laying on of hands. And that there's all scripture all over the place that talks about the laying on of hands as a way of passing on the apostolic ministry that Jesus gave to the apostles, which then got passed on to future generations and on down to to the priests of today. Um, there's you know a couple hundred thousand priests in the world. There's I think it's maybe like thirty five thousand or so priests um, in the United States. And each one, each one is unique, each one is different, but each one at, at a certain point of their ordination day is, was configured to, to Jesus Christ, who is the high priest. Jesus is the priest, and all the priests that you know share in the priesthood of Jesus Christ. We don't sort of each have our own. Um, and that's just the, the beauty of, uh, of, of holy orders. Um, and then priests are then called to serve in parishes, to teach, to to do all kinds of things, uh, most especially to celebrate the Mass and to um, give the people the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's a wonderful, wonderful calling. And, of course, uh, you know, I've I've known enough priests and heard enough vocation stories to know that everyone is unique. They are, there's some commonalities, of course, but everyone is unique in the way that the Lord has prompted them to in this call to the priesthood and to say yes in faith. So, Father, if you don't mind, in, uh, just briefly, can you share with us your vocation story? Absolutely. I grew, um, Patrick, I grew up uh, in Houston, Texas, right outside of Houston, um, in a, a very Catholic family, my mom and dad and my four brothers and sisters. And I would say from a young age, I had thought about the priesthood. Uh, we, we, were, we were Sunday Mass going Catholics. We were active in our, in our parish. Um, and then when I was in about the sixth grade, um, it was actually my grandmother who, who first mentioned to me that she saw something in me that maybe I should think about being a priest. I, you know, I kind of dismissed it. And, and then I heard kind of the same thing in high school from my youth minister, from my parents. Uh, then I got to college and I was hearing it from my roommates. Uh, then I left college and was a, actually a high school teacher. And I heard it from students and fellow teachers and parents of my students. So you just, you know, you kind of hear it enough and you think, oh my gosh, maybe there really is something, something to this. And so I I was actually 25 
when I uh, joined with the Diocese of Tulsa, which is where I had been living and teaching um, before seminary, and went off to seminary. I went to St. Mindred in uh, St. Mindred Seminary in Southern Indiana, and then was ordained a priest in 2007. So it, it, there's a, there's obviously a lot more to it than that, but there there's so many people. When I look back at the number of people who were encouraging to me, who I know prayed for me, starting with going back to my grandmother when I was in sixth grade, all the way up to you know the time when I left for seminary, and still today, people praying for me, and I'm so encouraged by that. And um, it's just it's a beautiful life. Um, seminary was great, and the life of the priesthood. It's not easy, and there's definitely difficult days, but um, it's just a beautiful life that I feel so blessed to be able to to share in. Yeah, it's very good. Well, and I think that's what you pointed out one of the great things. You were hearing about the possibility of the priesthood or people could see you as maybe, uh, well, at least uh, somebody who should investigate the priesthood. And they were telling you that. And there's a lot of support and encouragement on this, that side of things on developing a sense of one's vocation in that way, which is a good thing. I don't want to I don't want to undermine that. But at the same time, um, you know, today on the show, we're talking about how to support you once you've become a priest and maybe the priests who have been priests for years and years, decades even, and how we can show our support for our parish priests. That's what we're talking about on the show today with our spiritual director, Father Brian O'Brien. If you have tips and suggestions about how you support your parish priest or questions about maybe a specific situation you find yourself in and how can I show my support to Father in this situation, give us a call, join the conversation on our toll-free studio line, 888-914-9149 is our number. That's sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters, that line. And again, it's 888-914-9149, our email address, innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. Well, Father, I think one of the things that pops up as an obstacle to um, to really the laity showing their, their concern, their support, their encouragement for their priests uh, oftentimes might be misconceptions about the priesthood, and not that this is even, this might not be an active, you know, I, I know this about Father, so I'm not going to support him, but it's more of, I just don't understand. So uh, what do you think are some of the common misconceptions about the priesthood? Yeah, I think there's a few, Patrick. I think, you know, I think one, uh, you hear it from time to time, is that um, priests just work on Sundays. Um, <laughs> most, you know, most of the time, I mean, I see, I would say this in my parish here, you know, I bet 90% of the people, I just see them on Sunday. And, and that's okay. That's part, part of parish life, you know, and then there's sure. others that I see throughout the week. But when you, when you see your priest at Sunday Mass, uh, you, can, you can know with a great deal of confidence that he, he has done a lot of other things that week. Uh, and so, so in the typical sort of day-to-day life of a, of a parish priest specifically, um, there are, you know, things we would just call governance, things in, in related to the parish around the, the church building, uh, the, you know, the roof and the floor and the lights and the, you know, so kind of all of that kind of stuff. Um, and then other, lots of other things. So funerals, weddings, baptisms, um, RCIA, you know, teaching, teaching new Catholics. Lots of visiting, uh, you know, hospitals, nursing homes, uh, and then just lots of different calls that come in. I mean, every one of the beautiful things about priesthood is every every day is a little bit different. Um, and so you're working with working with your staff if you have one. Some parishes are bigger, some parishes are, are smaller and don't, don't have a staff. But you're just sort of handling the day to day stuff that just comes in, helping the poor, helping those who show up, hearing confessions, celebrating daily mass. 
Um, those are all of the things that happen in the course of a week. So if you saw your priest last Sunday and you're going to see him this Sunday, just know that a lot has happened uh, in, bet- in between. Um, so that's, that's one of those misconceptions. I don't think a lot of people have that as if like they think their priest just sort of sits around all week and, um, yeah. and, and, and doesn't, you know, just doesn't do anything except for get up on Sundays, um, homily preparation, those kind of things. I think another misconception is that, um, priests are, are kind of universally available. Now I would say we, we want to be, you know, we want to, to meet the needs of our people, but I know I've, in my, I've been a priest 16 and a half years and there, you know, there, there's been some kind of conflict when, I'm, I'm out of town. I'm, I'm visiting my family and therefore not available. Um, or somebody calls and they, they want to, they want to talk sort of right now. And I'm, and I'm just not, I'm either with maybe with somebody else or not, you know, not available. And that they, it, it creates a conflict. Cause I think people, there's a misconception that we're sort of sitting by the phone waiting for you to call. Uh, when in fact, there's oftentimes so many other demands uh, on a priest's time that makes it difficult sometimes to, to respond in a timely manner or to always be available when people might need us. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good point. And, uh, yeah, I, I can understand and knowing some priests, uh, well, fairly personally in, in some cases anyway, and knowing that their, their time is so valuable. And I see it as a, I see it as a, a, a real privilege when I get a chance to speak with a priest as I am with you today, father, for example, um, this is, I know that there are many demands on your time and yet you've taken time to be with us here on the inner life. So thank you for that. Um, how about specific challenges? I mean, this is in really getting to supporting our priest. Of course, um, prayer is is obviously at the top of the list. This is something we can and should do every day for a priest. But um, any any insight into what some of the challenges to being a priest are today and how we might respond to those challenges or how we might show our support and encouragement for our priests in those? Sure. Well, I think everybody sees this. You know, the world the world is a is a is a very complex place. Um, there's a lot of different kinds of people. There's a lot of opinions out there. Um, you know, I think we're, we're, especially here in the United States, we're getting more and more secular. Um, and so the, the challenges for a priest, I think there was a time in the church in the United States when, um, where we all believed generally the same thing, or when we all kind of were going swimming in the same direction. And, and we just know that that's not the case now. And so a priest is kind of in a point of tension um, between what the church teaches, uh, what he wants to get across to his people, but then also what our, what our culture is, is pushing back on. So I think that's a, that's a, ra- a great challenge of just of, of, of being a person of faith in, in, in today's world. I think probably one of the biggest challenges that a lot of priests face, and it varies from parish to parish, diocese to diocese, but there are more, there's more Catholics and there's fewer priests. Mm. Um, so the priest shortage uh, the vocation shortage, the vocation crisis, whatever you want to call it, um, it's real, and, and it's and it's getting worse. Chances are, wherever you live, wherever you're listening to this, um, there are not enough priests. Um, your bishop is is probably in meetings on a regular basis trying to figure out what are we going to do about that place and that place. And so, especially those maybe who might be on the older side, I was just talking to my mom yesterday. She grew up in Boston. When my mom was growing up. Um, there were five priests at her parish. Five. Yeah. Um, right. There's not a parish. There's not a parish in the United States that has five priests anymore. Mm. Um, hers was not one of the larger parishes in Boston. 
there were just a ton of priests. And this was, you know, probably in the, in the, in the 50s. Um, that's just not the case now. Many, many places that used to have two or three priests, it's now one. Many places that used to have their own priest now have to share a priest with another parish or multiple parishes. And that just creates, it creates more demand, creates a lot more pressure on, uh, on, the, on, the, on the priest himself, on the parish, and it, it's just it's a huge challenge. I'll think the other, the other big challenge um, in the United States is we're a very multicultural country, and so languages— um, priests are now expected in many, many places to speak multiple languages. Um, Spanish being being the biggest one, but you look, you know, the growing Vietnamese population, lots of people coming from all over the world coming to the United States. It's yeah. a great place to be. And a priest yeah. is having to, to do all the things he does and to do it in multiple languages. All right. Well, thank you for that. We'll get into how we might respond as laity, but I think we'll take our, our first break here first. We're talking today about supporting our priests. How do you show support and encouragement to the priests in your life? And what do you do to help them out in to living out their life-consuming call that they have? Give us a call and join the conversation at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. As I said, we're going to go into our first break, but we got lots more of the show coming up right after this. Stay with us. Thanks to our sponsor, the University of Dallas, the Catholic University for Independent Thinkers. UD's rigorous liberal arts education forms the mind and nourishes the soul to produce graduates who renew our culture. Find out more and access a free guide on choosing a college at relevantradio.com slash UDallas. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio on RelevantRadio.com and the Relevant Radio app. Thanks for listening. My name is Patrick Conley, and we are speaking today about supporting your parish priest. If there are ways in which you support your parish priest and you have suggestions to give, give us a call, 888-914-9149. Love to get you on the air with our spiritual director, Father Brian O'Brien, pastor of St. Francis Xavier Catholic Church in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Well, Father, um, one of the things that I know does pop up from time to time anyway is uh, priest burnout, basically, that, uh, you know, priests have kind of reached the end of their tether. And uh, I I can't say that it's overly surprising given the demands that are placed on priests, Um, but maybe a little insight into um, what's actually going on there. I realize each situation is unique, but um, it is it can be a trend anyway. So what happens with priest burnout and how can we as a lady help out? Yeah, it's real. The priest burnout is real. Um, when you look, as I mentioned before the break, you know, just the, the, the demands on, on, on priests. Um, and then I think it's important to remember, I think everybody knows this, but it's worth saying anyway, um, that priests are people. Uh, and so if you think about your own life, whoever you are, and what, like what stresses you out, um, what, what, makes you kind of feel fulfilled and what brings, um, what brings, what brings stress. Mm. Uh, and, and that, that, that same thing happens to, to priests. And so there's a sense, I think sometimes you hear this kind of in the healthcare community, you know, who, who cares for the caregivers, um, who helps the helpers. And so you have priests, I think who just, you know, who, who have 
a heart for their people. And that's very good. That's the way it ought to be. Mm-hmm. But then there comes a point where, where the demands and the, the number of days in a week and hours in the day can't reach the demand. And so then I think for some priests, kind of a feeling of guilt sets in. I'm not, I'm not able to help everybody in the way they need to be helped. Um, you know, I think also there's so many, um, just, you know, we, we, it's, a, it's a big church and there's a lot of opinions about kind of how things ought to go in a parish or ought to go, what a homily should look like. And so then some of those pressures come and some priests handle those well, you know, I'll just say like criticisms. Um, or, or different opinions of how, how things ought to go. Some, some priests handle that well, some priests don't. Mm. And I think that adds to kind of the, the, the pressure of it all. And then uh, I think there's priests, I'm, I'm one of them, who, you know, I, I like to work. I, I work a lot. And where, the, you know, in my own, just personally, my own um, sort of the temptation is to, uh, to work. You know, I, I have a day off or I'm on vacation and I'm going to work on vacation in order to catch up from the things I couldn't get done, you know, sure. when I didn't have that free time. And that just adds to it and adds to it and adds to it. I think a lot of priests are in ill health, um, you know, are not, um, not taking good care of themselves. And then that can then lead to um, health issues. And then priests, just like regular people, sometimes will, will use other things to cope with their issues. And so that can get into, uh, you know, priests maybe abusing alcohol um, things like that, that as a way to kind of escape what all the demands and the pressures. And I'm not excusing that by any means, but, but that's, that's what happens. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine that. Well, like you said, priests are people. And just like all of us, there's temptations down those ways and utilizing means of escapism and everything, which I think this conversation or this, this particular part of our, our conversation, Father, leads well into kind of a tough email that we got from a Lori who emails in. She says, how do you support a priest who doesn't support you? My husband, she says, is a permanent deacon who was employed by our parishes. When our current priest came almost three years ago, he told my husband, I've never had a deacon. I don't need a deacon. I have no use for you. And he took everything away from us. We are still struggling, she writes, emotionally and financially. And I think in that specific situation, but also, I mean, it's it may be applicable to, to many people, whether permanent deacon or uh, lay faithful or whatever, um, that uh, they feel like their priest doesn't support them. How might they offer support to that priest? Yeah, that's a hard one. Yeah, um, yeah Lori, if Lori's, list, if Lori's listening, yeah. I mean, I'm sorry that happened. And I, I think there, there are, and I'm not excusing it by any means, there are priests who kind of have a lone, I would just say kind of a lone wolf mentality. Um, if it's going to be done, I'm going to do it. Uh, and in that particular case, you know, he got assigned to your parish and had never worked with a deacon. Um, it seems to me that that would be something, you know, if, if the priest himself is open to a conversation of, Hey, we're feeling, you know, kind of isolated and we used to do this and now we, and now we can't. Um, and then that, I think, especially as a deacon, that could be something to, to, to discuss with your, with your ordinary, with your bishop. Uh, or the bishop's delegate, maybe like the vicar general or something, where to say, you know, this happened, and maybe in that case, like trying to seek another assignment, or is there is there a place where I can be of help, or where somebody could kind of mediate between the priest and the deacon? Because I think the priest, you know, just not knowing the whole situation, but the priest saying, you know, I, I don't want to work 
with a deacon, I yeah. think is not right because we're, we're co-workers in the vineyard, as Pope Benedict would often say. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to just say, like, I don't, I don't need you, go, you know, go away, seems to be unjust. Uh, so it's, I don't know, I would, I would, I would kind of push it up the, up the chain in your, in your diocese and see what might be done to, to mediate that situation or to seek a new assignment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. Lori, thanks for the honest email and sorry for that situation there, but certainly, um, yeah, certainly in that unjust situation, as father has said, your, your prayers are, they may not be seeming to be very effectual, but I'm sure they're heard, and I'm sure our Lord is responding. So thanks for the email, Lori. Appreciate that. Let's take a phone call, Father. We've got Lynn calling in from Philadelphia. Good afternoon, Lynn. Thanks for calling in. Welcome to The Inner Life. Thank you, Thank you very much. And I want to say to Father Brian O'Brien that this is the other Mrs. O'Brien from Deer Hollow Drive in Kingwood. Oh, my old, my neighbors. All right, let's go. That's Your all. neighbor is exactly growing up, and you met my daughter Becky at BC, so we are connected. <laughs> I love it. Wow. How, first, tell me, how is your mom, Peggy? Uh, Mom's doing great. She's praying away. She's, yeah, she's a, she continues to, to be a great woman of faith, no doubt about it. Absolutely. She and I got to be friends, and... Um, your big sister would babysit mine, and your grandma came over one time. I had to go away for a weekend. So our families, as the other O'Briens, when you moved in, we became the other O'Briens when we moved out. So thank you for that. But I I hear you every now and then, and I just want you to know that I pray for priests because I know the pressure and the attack in these times of whatever. And I pray a rosary. and. I pray a different intention each decade, and when I get to the third decade, is for priest. And each Hail Mary, I trust a name that comes into my mind, and every now and then it's been you. So uh, your mom, Mrs. O'Brien, and the other Mrs. O'Brien have been praying for you and thanking God for the gift of your priesthood. Wow, I love that, Lynn. Thank you. Yeah, so I mean, your point is just, you know, praying, praying for your priest. Um, and that I would say this to you know to everybody to pray pray for priests in general, um, and then pray for priests by name. So you know if, if every day every every Catholic prayed for pray for pray for Pope Francis, pray for your bishop, pray for your your parish priest or or, or priests, and then include others. Right, who the priest who baptized you. Uh, the priest who heard your first confession, the priest who heard, who gave you your first Holy Communion, uh, the priest who who did maybe a, an important funeral in your life, um, and then and then more generally to pray for priests who are struggling in their faith, pray for priests who are struggling with alcohol, pray for priests who are you know who are just having a hard time in their vocation, um, pray for our seminarians. So there's just I think Lynn is on the right track. Um, of, of are we supporting our priests first and foremost spiritually of all that's happening to them? Um, and, and priests are not alone. Every, everybody has stresses in their life. And so it's not that priests are somehow sort of special in this way, but I think there are more um, spiritual attacks that come at priests. I think the devil knows that if he can get to a priest, uh, that it's going to have a, a, a more, you know, kind of terrible effect on the world. And we've uh, seen that point. in our church. Uh, anyway, I think Lynn, Lynn is on the right track um, yeah. 
of, of pray, praying on a regular basis for priests and praying for them by name. Yeah, yeah, very good. Lynn, thanks for that. Thanks for calling in, and thank you even more so for all of your good prayers for all of our good priests. We, uh, we, And even the bad ones, you know, as you were saying, Father. Yeah, yeah pray, pray for the ones who are struggling and who are not coping well with some of the demands that are placed on them. So, Lynn, thank you for that. Let's go now to Kay calling in from Phoenix, Arizona. Kay, good morning. Thanks for calling in. Good morning. Um, I belong to the Seven Sisters of the Apostolate, ah. and I don't know if you're familiar with that program or not, but I, I found it a wonderful way to support a, a priest. So there's seven women yet. We take one day a week. We pray one hour for a specific priest, and we kind of adopt that priest. You commit for a whole year. I just found it just a, a, a rewarding way to do, and our day to the church has been very beneficial. Hmm. So I just want to make uh, say that that's one way I have found to support the priest. And I, I've always prayed for priests every day, generally speaking. I pray for them. Hmm. Wow, okay, awesome, right? So you're that, that apostolate, Seven Sisters Apostolate, um, praying for priests and praying for them, praying for them by name, um, praying for them every day. Uh, what a beautiful gift, right? You'll never know, Carrie, until you get to heaven, God willing. The, the, the benefits, the spiritual benefits that your prayers have made in the life of the priests in Phoenix and, and, and everywhere else. Um, there's so many times as a parish priest where I go into a situation, somebody's, somebody's dying or some, you know, kind of a difficult homily or a difficult meeting or something. And, and I come out of it and I think, wow, that, that went really well. Or, or, wow, where did those words come from that really helped that family? And when I look back on it, I think, okay, because I, I know all these people are, are praying for me and for the fruitfulness of, of, of our parish and my particular ministry. Anyway, it just it makes a difference, and it's a difference that you can't see. It's not super tangible, but I think eventually when, when we get to heaven, we'll, we'll see the, the tangible benefits of the prayers that we offered. Indeed. Kay, thank you so much for the suggestion. I love the Seven Sisters Apostolate. It's fantastic, and it can be found online, sevensistersapostolate.org, that our prayers may find the heart of every priest and bishop. This is a call to strengthen the Church by ensuring that a holy hour is prayed each day of the week for the sole intention of a specific priest or bishop. Uh, So check that out online, uh, ladies, at sevensistersapostolate.org. Thank you, Kay, for the recommendation, and uh, definitely it's uh, reaping great spiritual benefits for our priests and bishops. We're talking about supporting our priests today. How do you support your priests? We're open to your calls and emails. 888-914-9149 is the number to call, and if you'd like to email us, it's innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. So, Father, uh, I think one of the things that uh, that oftentimes comes up, I think we were even discussing it on the show yesterday, is inviting the priest over for dinner. And um, now I maybe there's maybe there's two minds about this. You know, do you do you extend an invitation to father? I mean, I think some people can be a little reticent just because they recognize how demanding uh, the priest's life is and thought, well, I don't want to impose on him and have him come over for dinner. So is that a good idea to invite people over for dinner? I so I would say yes and no. I would I would read read the situation. Right. Okay. So is your you know, is your priest? Uh, an, an introvert or an extrovert. That might be that might be a good place to start. So when I'm 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 more on the extroverted side of things. And so when a family says, "Oh, we'd love to have you over," my first reaction is, "Oh, great! Like let's 
let's, well, you know, let's find a date. Um, I think for some of the introverted priests, um, that's a, that's going to be a, a lot, the, the saying yes is going to be a lot harder. They might do it out of, you know, just to get to know your family or even out of some obligation. So anyway, I think read the situation. If you feel like your priest is, you know, super, super, super busy, um, you, you might, you know, you, what you might do is just to maybe start with, Hey, can we, can we bring you, can we bring you a meal during, during the week? Um, and see kind of how that goes. But then I think the other thing is, is if he does, if he does say, yeah, I'd love to come to dinner. You know, one thing I like to do is, is I offer to them to like bless the family's home. Hey, can, you know, can I, bless, can I bless your house and then, nice. and then we'll have some dinner? Yeah. So that's a, that's a nice thing. Um, and then I would just say to lower this, this may sound funny, but like kind of lower your expect, like don't make it like a four hour event, you know, <laughs> we're going to have, we're going to have father over for, for dinner. Um, and it doesn't have to be super formal. You know, I think probably, I think most priests probably would appreciate just getting to know your family in a very normal way to sort of eat what you'd normally eat, pray the way you would normally pray. Um, you know, so not to make it, you know, kind of overly, overly formal, um, and allow him the opportunity to, you know, to kind of relax in, in your home. Uh, and so anyway, I just, I think it, it'll, it'll vary from priest to priest. I think a lot of priests really enjoy that. I think other priests, their evenings are much better spent alone and, and kind of recuperating after a day of, of being in and around people. And then I guess the last thing I'll say on this is, is I think just be prepared for, um, like the priest schedules can be very busy. And so when you say like, Hey, we'd love to have you over this weekend. Um, don't be offended if, if he's not available that weekend. He might say, well, I can't come. I can come like three weeks from now. That happens so often. And I always feel bad. I feel like kind of, you know, like, Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm like kind of obnoxious telling them I can't come for, for three weeks. But I think most people understand that. And I think that's a way that you can better understand your priest that he does have a, you know, generally speaking, kind of a pretty full schedule. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, that's, I think that's some good advice and in, in understanding that. And I appreciate the reading of the situation. Yeah. That's uh that can be tricky sometimes, but uh, it, it's uh, certainly <laughs> worthwhile to say that and not placing any more undue obligations on, on father. But then I know priests who love it, who love to be invited over for dinner as well. So Thank you for that, Father. Appreciate that. Let's take another phone call. Tony is calling in from California. Tony, welcome to The Inner Life. Thanks for calling in. Hi, Patrick. Hi, Father. Hello. Hi, Tony. Yeah, so at one, yeah, at one point I, I saw a prayer for um, to pray for priests during their communion at Mass when they receive their communion. And I don't know where that prayer is now, but but I just make it a habit that... Um, you know, at Matt, when I'm at Mass and then the priest is receiving uh, his communion just to pray for his needs and for him to become a saint. So I just want to offer that up for, mm. for the listeners, for everyone. Mm. Dang, Tony, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I, I've, I've not heard that particular kind of praying at that particular moment, but I love it, you know, so, so that, you know, you, everybody sees when the priest receives Holy Communion uh and there's like a little, yeah, a little moment to, to pray for him that, 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 that the Holy Communion he receives would bear fruit in his spiritual life and in the work of his life as a priest. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. 
Very good suggestion, Tony. That's going to make its way into my practices as well. I appreciate the suggestion. Love it. Very good. Talking today about uh, supporting your parish priest, so give us a call if you have tips and suggestions, 888-914-9149. Let's squeeze in one more call here before the break. Emily calling in from New Jersey. Good afternoon, Emily. Welcome to the show. Yes, good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I guess I was struck when Father said um, that his parish, when he grew up, um, you know, had five priests and, and now is down to one or, or very few. I had the same experience here, and I guess it strikes me, I'm sure if this was a good idea, someone would have thought of it on the diocesan level, but was there ever any discussion about having maybe diocesan rectories where priests from several parishes could live together and kind of have that you know, camaraderie and, and fellowship instead of being, you know, in rectories to us appears to be all alone, um, which I think is kind of um, an additional stress for them. So I don't know if there's ever been any discussion in the church about um, about helping that. Yeah, Emily, you're, you're, you, you've hit on something. I think that is happening more and more. I'll, I'll use my, myself. We here, in, I live in Stillwater, Oklahoma. There are two, there are two parishes, and we have one rectory. And so uh, at, at our rectory, there are three priests, and there's been as many as four, uh, myself and my associate pastor, and then the pastor of the other church, uh, which is on the campus of Oklahoma State University. And the three of us live together, and we have mm-hmm. space for seminarians. And, and I, I think you're seeing that more and more. And I don't know if it's like a generational thing. I'm, I'm 48. Um, the other guys I live with are in their 30s and 40s. Uh, that priests are wanting some community. And especially, I think, coming out of seminary, you know, seminary is very communal. You're, you're living in a hallway with a bunch of, with everybody. You pray together all the time. You eat together all the time. And then you, like, go out into the parish, and it might be you and another priest or just you solo. I think there's a growing movement, and I think bishops are seeing this, too, of, like, the need for let's, let's, let's have priests living together. The, the difficulty oftentimes, at least in, in my diocese, Eastern Oklahoma, is, is distance. Yeah. And so we have a lot of guys who, who live far away from, from other priests. They may live 50 miles from another priest. That makes it difficult. So I think especially those of you maybe listening who are in a rural area, I think there's a real opportunity for more support for your priests because he really is. He's away from... The, the city, the most dioceses kind of have a major city. Guys who are really out there on their own, I think will need more support than maybe guys in the city who might have other priests around to, to build some community with. But Emily, you're on the right track. There's a lot of that happening. Priests wanting to live together rather than out there on their own. Great question, Emily. Thank you so much for the call. And we are talking again today about supporting our priests. If you have ways that you support priests or questions about how we might better support our priests, give us a call at 888-914-9149, 914 or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. We'll be back with more of the conversation with our spiritual director, Father Brian O'Brien, right after this. Thanks to our sponsor, the University of Dallas, the Catholic University for Independent Thinkers. UD's rigorous liberal arts education forms the mind and nourishes the soul to produce graduates who renew our culture. Find out more and access a free guide on choosing a college at relevantradio.com slash udallas.
We are back here on The Inner Life. My name is Patrick Conley. My sincere thanks to Nick Sentevich, our producer, and Thomas Angus for taking your phone calls today. We're speaking with our spiritual director, Father Brian O'Brien, about supporting your parish priest. If you have ideas about how to support well your parish priest, give us a call, 888-914-9149, or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Father O'Brien, I guess I wanted to get a little bit more into practicalities as well. We've talked a lot about prayer, which is, of course, uh, fundamental to supporting our parish priests, as you've already said. Um, But other things that I've I've seen parishioners do, and I've had, quite frankly, I've seen priests who have varied responses to this. So things like getting Father a gift, or and specifically if it's some sort of religious item, like a rosary or something like that, and or uh, giving Father some food. Uh, any thoughts on those two? Uh, yeah, on both. You know, I think obviously people's generosity is is wonderful, and you never wanna never wanna downplay that. Uh, I would I would say to ask, just ask the priest, like, hey, is there anything in particular that you need? Uh, and so, you know, sometimes people will give, like, give me a book or so, you know, or something. Sure. And for me, I, like, I don't have enough time to read, you know, kind of as is. And so I, I struggle when like somebody gives me a book and I'm like, oh, now I feel like I kind of like I have to read it. And oh, and I have all these other books I want to read. So I think to say, you know, hey, Father, do you have like, let's say it's his birthday or Christmas or something, you know, hey, is there a particular like restaurant in town that you really like? Or is there um, a bookstore that you mm-hmm. really you know that you use? Um, if you have a Catholic bookstore in your, you know, in your, in your town, right. He's, chances are, he's probably going to go there quite a bit. So I think very practical sort of ask him what, what he need, what he needs. Gift certificates, I think are always are, are great. And then on the okay. food front, um, you know, a lot of times what people, I mean, it happens every Christmas, right. Our, our rectory, there's three priests and we have a seminarian and our, the Island in our kitchen is just like <laughs> dessert. It's more, than we could ever want to eat. And I love that people are thinking about us and are, and are generous to us, but it's also, that's probably not like not good for us. So again, I would just say to eat, you know, send an email or, or visit with the priest and just say, I, I would love to like make you guys a meal. What, what do you want or, or what, because I think a lot of times, you know, you're trying to like eat healthy and then what shows up is, is the exact opposite of that. So I think just a, a conversation that can also be depending on the like the parish staff. You might just even ask the the front office assistant in the in the parish, "Hey, what does you know what does Father need? What does Father like?" And, and that is a way because I think a lot. Of, I'll just say on the food front, you know, I, I find the days get so busy, you kind of you like forget to eat, or you end up just eating whatever's most convenient, which typically okay. is not going to be something that's good for you. But if there is something healthy that's already there, I think the, the priest is much more likely to eat it and then have good energy and, and be able to keep going without mm-hmm. getting unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good good point. And for all the well-meaning parishioners out there, myself included, I guess I'm defending ourselves a little bit. It it does seem a little <laughs> a little disingenuous to uh, offer offer to bring Father a salad <laughs> rather than some home baked cookies or something like that. But I would say, I'll bet, I, I, kind of speaking for a lot of my brother priests out there, sure. I'll bet a lot of them would say, oh, I would love, I would love like a good salad. Okay. All and right. Just to have it and just to have it in the fridge and be able to, to be able to eat it. And he may say, no, I don't eat salad. I only eat cookies. Okay. <laughs> well, then 
then then so be it. But I think to just have a have a have a just a conversation with the priest. What what can I what can I do for you? How can we support you? Yeah. And and he'll tell you. He'll tell yeah. you. Yeah. Well, and one of the things, Father, too, that has come up a couple times here, I think, on the program, and uh, just to just to make it a little bit more explicit, you you mentioned that uh, there's a lot of opinions out there, and sometimes they come out in the form of criticisms, or at least perceived criticisms by our, our priests, and uh, that can lead to, as we were talking about earlier, priest burnout and something like that. Any suggestions about if we do have a concern, and it could be something that's relatively small, or maybe something relatively large, like maybe... Uh, we, we don't, you feel like we don't, or the, the parishioner feels like we don't have enough time for confession or something like that. How, what is a good way of approaching father with that? That's still respecting him as your pastor, but, uh, but you know, but still expressing the concern. Definitely. So I think, yeah, people, the, the priest, a priest ought to, as part of being a parish priest, you ought to be open to ideas, criticisms. Um, so I would say for somebody who's going to offer one of those, to, to, to pray about it first, right? And I would say specifically to ask for, for prudence, right? So prudence is kind of saying the right thing at the right time in the right way. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times, my own experience, people say the right thing. It's something I need to hear. Um, they even say it at the right time, you know? But, but the way they say it makes, makes it come across not as they, as they want it to. Okay. So saying the right thing at the right time in the right way. Um, but then I would also say in a lot of parishes, especially bigger parishes, um, it, not everything has to go through the priest, you know, so maybe there's a, there's a parish council, um, maybe the priest has a, like a leadership team, or maybe there's a particular staff member uh, that, could, that could handle that request. Um, and so I, I think that's just, it'll, it'll depend on the situation, but I think people do have a, a right to make their feelings known. But I would just say to everybody to make to do it at the right time, at the right way, um, and, and I would say this, very, being very practical, the five minutes before mass and five mm-hmm. minutes after mass mm-hmm. are not the time. Okay. Uh, I will speak for ninety-nine percent of my brother priests um, because those are times when we're we're getting ready for mass, when we are, um, especially right after mass. I'm looking for new people. I'm looking for um, you know, people that maybe I haven't seen in a while. And so when a, when a parishioner kind of comes up with some idea, it would, it would just be, it's not the right time. Good idea, said in the right way, with all charity in their heart. But the five minutes after Mass, and chances are the priest is actually probably going to forget it also, um, yeah. because he's just finished Mass, he's, and, and people are kind of coming at him. And so finding a different time, uh, sending an email, maybe make an appointment during the week, all of that kind of falls under prudence, the right thing in the right way at the right time. Got it. Wonderful. Let's see if we can squeeze in one more phone call here before the end of the program, Father. Pedro's calling in from, hey, Stillwater, Oklahoma. How about that? Pedro, welcome to The Inner Life. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, Father O'Brien, like I always tell you, bless us. <laughs> uh, you know, uh I'm a member of the Knights of Columbus, and we're talking about how to help our parish priests. And one of the things, you know, we talk to Father O'Brien a lot is just ask him what he needs and just go ahead and get it done. Uh, you know, if we're bringing problems to, to, our, to our parish priests, that's not a good idea. It's usually better if you find out what, what is needed and then just go ahead and work as a group uh, toward that, uh, get that done. 
just take some of those pressures off the priest because yeah, like uh, Father O'Brien, and I, from personal experience, I know Father O'Brien has a lot going on. And so we want to help him out. We want to make it easier for him to, uh, to do what he, ha- uh, what he's, um, you know, set to do. Yeah. Pedro, man, he's calling, probably calling from right down the road. Good to hear you. Good to hear your voice. I just saw him on Sunday. Um, I'll say this, you know, our Knights of Columbus are awesome and they, they, they are go-getters, they're problem solvers. And I think that's where a lot of parishioners can be of help. Um, you know, what are the problems in the parish and how can I help solve them? And that's where the, you know, our Knights Council, Father, what do you need? And then I make it known. And 95% of the time they're like, uh-huh, totally awesome. Sometimes there's conflicts and, oh, we can't do it. We don't have the budget for that, whatever. But the, our Knights Council is a great example of what what do you need, how can we help, and then just getting it done. A lot of times it's just setting up for an event, taking down from an event, cooking for a particular event. All of those things make the life of the priest easier, and more importantly, they make the life of the parish better by just yeah. being proactive and helping to solve whatever the issues may be. Very good. Pedro, thanks for calling in. Thanks for listening, too, for Father, to Father O'Brien here on The Inner Life as we're talking about supporting your parish priest. Now, one of the things that occurs to me, Father, in a situation like that is that uh, I know that sometimes for all of us, not just for priests, but for all of us, when we're approached with the offer of help, we're either a little bit uh, f- feeling like we don't know how to respond or we're so possessive of the things that have been entrusted to us, like we were talking about earlier, that uh, we don't feel like we want to entrust that to someone else. So um, any thoughts or recommendations for priests to say, or maybe just encouragement to be honest when people come up and ask, how can I help that they can be honest, that this is what I need? Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely guilty of that. So I think especially if any priests are, are, are listening, I'm, a, I'm kind of a control freak, you know, and I, I like to kind of know what's going on and get in the middle of it and, um, and I've been accused of and, it's, um, and guilty of, you know, sometimes micromanaging things. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I'm actively working on. And one of, the, one of the reasons I'm actively working on that is because I've gotten feedback from parishioners who have said, Father, you're like, why are you so involved in this? Like, you, mm-hmm. let, us, let us handle it. And, and, and I took that advice because it was, because it was good advice. And oh, it's very yeah. humbling to kind of be kind of put in your place a little bit. But we have to, we're in this together. You know, when, if, if a parish priest tries to do it all himself, it's not going to work. If someone in a yeah. particular ministry tries to do it all themselves, it's, it's not going to work. Yeah, sorry, Father. I'm going to have to cut in because we're running short of time. But maybe we have a quick blessing from you before we, before we close. May the blessing of Almighty God in this new year give you grace and peace, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father Brian O'Brien, thank you so much for being our spiritual director. Coming up next, of course, is the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass with another great priest, Father Mark Melezova. Stay tuned. Until next time, grace and peace.